Welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast with Michael B. Ross, a podcast designed to help leaders develop the character, skills, and passion needed to lead fulfilled and impactful lives. Here's Michael. Well, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and I'd like to welcome you to the HBK High Performance Podcast. I hope that the sun is shining and the birds are chirping in your life, and I hope all your dreams are coming true. Before we get started today, as I always like to mention, if you hear one good thought, one good phrase, one good quote, or one good idea from this podcast today, I'd like to ask you to put that thought, phrase, idea, or quote into absolute immediate action. It is the application of our education that makes the biggest difference in our world. And I do not want you to be one of those people that looks back on their life with regret. The research shows that over 85% of people look back on their life with significant regret. And the number one regret is I didn't live the life true to who I knew I should be. I instead live my life based upon the expectations of others. It is really important that if you are compelled, you take action. It doesn't mean you're going to get it right. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Because we all know in the path to success, there's a lot of mistakes along the way. But the point is that you get up and you keep moving forward. And the purpose of the High Performance Podcast is to get you to that high performance level. And the only way we can get there is by taking immediate action on ideas that compel us. I am very honored today to have the COO of HBK joining us, Mr. Phil Wilson. I want to tell you a little bit about Phil in his bio, but I also want to tell you what I know about him personally. Um, so, so Phil, he has been with HBK since 1987 and in 2004 became the COO of HBK, which is a very interesting story and I want him to tell it. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you all the details behind that. I'm gonna let him share that story, but it's a very interesting story. And he's also a part of the executive committee of HBK. So he is involved with the, the philosophies which helps to run this, this organization that has seven divisions, 17 locations, and 600, near 600 employees. So he has a lot on his plate. So it's an absolute honor uh, that he took time to share his ideas with us today. And also, I will tell you this from Phil personally, one thing that I've really appreciated in the last couple of years that I've gotten to know him is that Phil is a guy who tells the truth, but he's also very empathetic as he does it. And that is one thing I think all leaders should get is a balance between telling people the truth, but also having the sympathy, empathy, and compassion that goes with it. And I think Phil does that very, very well. And it's something I admire about him and something that I try to glean from him and, and get better at. So, Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, and uh, thanks, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate that. Well, Phil, let's just jump right into it. I, I mentioned a little bit about the interesting story of how you became COO of HBK. Uh, could you tell the story from your own view? Well, actually, it's very simple. Chris Allegretti picked me. Uh, you know, when he became CEO of HBK, uh, in our in our organizational documents, it says that uh, he picks the COO. And uh, 
it's the interesting story behind that that gave me the opportunity to be COO. Uh, and uh, many years ago, I was kind of many years ago I was actually sitting. You know, before HBK had had an organizational structure of CEO and COO, I always wanted to be part. Uh, I had a goal of being part of the management of a CPA firm, and always thinking that I wasn't may not get that opportunity because HBK really didn't have that structure and they were run by an executive committee at the time. And actually the opportunity came up when HBK decided to get into wealth management or financial services back in 1998, 1999. And we were sitting at a principal's meeting at the time and we were made the decision to go forward and Chris Allegretti and I both raised our hands and said that we would help the firm get into financial services. And, you know, that pretty much meant that what that ultimately meant that Chris got his insurance license and I got four securities licenses and we started entities and we were in business. And so through the, I think the success of that company of growing that company became the opportunity that the firm decided to move into a, a more corporate organizational structure. And Chris was elected CEO and then I was, he selected me as COO. And, and I love it. I love it because an opportunity presented itself. And, and at the beginning of the podcast, I would say take absolute immediate action. What was going through your mind? I mean, when you volunteered, you know, it said, yeah, Chris, I'll do it. Because, I mean, he asked you, but you had to say, yeah, I'll do it. What was going through your mind, and how did you feel during that time? Well, it's not something that, that you know, it, it was a brand-new position. And so we were going to create these, you know, CEO and COO together. And, and yeah. it's it's taken some years to, to get where we are, but uh, it's been, I think it's been well worth it. Yeah, I love that quote by Sir Isaac Newton. He says, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Shame on us if we don't make the previous generation ceiling our floor. And it's really neat to think, you know, you had an opportunity to present itself, and now you've been COO for, what, 16 years? Is that right? Correct. Oh gosh. And so now you've created the position, and, you know, there's going to come a point where you pass that on to a successor who's going to have a much better start because of what you've done in, in creating the position. So I just, I think that's awesome. Um, so along the way, Phil, obviously there's so much we learn by, by experience. You know, you can't, we can't ever underplay the value of experience. What is for you the greatest leadership lesson that you've ever learned along this journey? of COO, you know, first CPA, partner, COO, and, you know, executive committee. What's what's the greatest leadership lesson you've learned? Yeah, I think for me, it's being over-prepared. I, I, for, for a long time, I've been a person that's gotten to the office early and, and prepared the day, you know, trying to predict what's coming next. And, and a lot of what I've done uh, or what I do, um, you have to you have to be available at the time, and so getting what I need to get done done 
before it's due and then being available to accomplish what needs to be done, you know, that's impromptu, if you will. Um, and, and I think the other thing is surround yourself with great people. I think that that, that makes the completing difficult tasks manageable. If you surround yourself with great people, and it's what we think, uh, you know, we've done at HBK, and that really, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, that is without a doubt. We really, really have a lot of great people at HBK, and that is uh, something you all have done a great job of. Yeah, surrounding yourself with highly talented, and and I think the one thing that I see is you have very high levels of integrity with the people that you've chosen, and uh, that that comes through. Um, this idea of being prepared, Phil. You know, I think in this day and age, we're so like. Everything is so available to us so quickly. Um, what are some specific things you do? Do you, do you do like daily action plans? Do you plan out your weeks before the week begin the month? How do you prepare? What's, what do you find to be your method behind preparation? So I don't, believe it or not, I don't keep a lot of lists. And for years, I have used my email inbox as my to-do list. And so I have a, right now I have 29 items and only 29 items in my inbox. And those are things that I need to read or things I need to do that I got an email from someone. I will even send myself an email to to, that's part of my to-do list is in my inbox, and that could be for myself. And so I do have some other lists also, but but that's been you know uh, something that I've used, and I've I've I know there's a lot of people out there that have hundreds or thousands of emails in their inboxes, and I would I would struggle with that. So <laughs> and, and, and so that's just one that's just one thing that I've done to make things uh, simple though for me. Uh, as far as over preparation, and, and so for in in that regard, I do, you know, getting up early, I get through everything that I think I need to do. I've looked at it the day before. I I know what I'm saving for tomorrow. Uh, over the weekend, I will actually look at my calendar and see what is coming next for the week, and and move on from there, and then, then take it one one task at a time. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about get up early, start your day early. And by the time that people start their days, you know, the typical person starts their day at eight, nine o'clock, you've already finished half your day. And, you know, especially with the high thinking items, because we think really well in, in the morning times, you know, you know, uh, neurologically, what do you, how much do you, how, when, when do you start and how much do you usually crunch out before the typical person starts their day. Uh, I'm I'm usually online, especially during the you know working from home or remotely. I'm online at, at no later than six a.m. and um, and and I'm just going through my emails and reading. And I do a, that's a lot. That's when I do a lot of, of reading. Also, as far as I have yeah. certain things, you know, from technical manuals or or articles and so that's a lot of what's done 
Um, interestingly, my, you know, I, that started at age 15. I wanted to play tennis at a racket club when I was, you know, in high school. And, you know, I needed to help pay for that. And so I got a job at age 15 harvesting lettuce in, in, in where my hometown. And so you got up at, and you were there at daybreak. You know, you know, to start your day because you wanted to get as much done before the heat of the day. And so, you know, I think that hard work started early and getting up early started, you know, back when I was uh, 15. Then I just carried that forward. That's really, I mean, the size of success is really simple at the end of the day. Um, And it is, it's, it's, you, you do wake up early, you show up, you work hard while you have the time you save up now, obviously because you're saving up to play at your tennis club um do you think you know a, a little bit off the vein here do you think that's something that's been lost in our society in general from a leadership standpoint as you as you see you know, young men and women coming up do you think the value of waking up early and and having those consistent disciplines are being lost in some respects, and I try to be mindful of, you know, back when we were doing, th- I think technology has changed things more than we realize. I think we were, back when I was up as a C, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it to the CPA profession. I think we're, we were, because we didn't have as much technology, we needed to do one thing at a time. And now yeah. with all the technology, we're asking everybody to multitask, if you will. And I think it, it's just different now than it used to be. But I think that there is some essence that of that there that that has lost some in, in for some people. But there are other challenges out there. So I don't want to. Yeah, you know that goes back to you know they say that a person is first of all a person starts with an identity. You know you got to know who you are, and then what perpetuates our identity is our values. You know, it's it's like, what do we value most? Because whatever we value most, we follow through with action. What are your, let's say, top three values? If you were to talk about your values and what drives you to be successful and to keep doing what you're doing every day. Well, I think that you mentioned some of them, those early. You know, okay, you know we talked about over-preparation, um, but honesty and transparency, I think, are are very important. Um, Chris and I, Chris Algard and I, talk a lot about um, that. It's difficult enough to to do things together or yeah. do things the right way. Um, but if if everyone's not working together to do that, then that gets that gets difficult, or you're not getting all the information. So honesty and transparency, I think, are, are two of the, the top items that I find valuable or most important to me. It's fascinating to me how often, you know, there's a statistic that this came out in 2014. It was a psychological study. And the average person lies to themselves around 100 times per day. and um, and And therefore people also lie to others. And a lot of it has to do with, and what they've shown is it has to do with this persona that we want people to believe that we are, or that we want to believe we are. 
So we put, we project a persona that we want to live up to. And we think, well, if I, if I could just do enough actions to live up to this, then maybe it'll become me. But there's some, I value so much the truth, you know, and, and Phil, you know this, sometimes the truth hurts, but, right. but true responsible people and, and to me, great leaders, it may hurt, but you're willing to lean into the truth in order to actually make good, solid, sustainable progress. And so, you know, the fact that you are so good at telling the truth, but you're also, I find you to be very compassionate in that. And sometimes, you know, people take, people take the truth the wrong way just because the truth makes them feel less than uh, their persona. Or it feels like it feels prideful to where I can't tear this down. I, you know, you're tearing down this persona that I that I want you to believe that I am. You know, you can only have trust and unity with truth. So I love the fact that you lead that way. Uh, Chris does. The members of the executive committee do that as well. And that's something I think we could tell our our clients this all day. You know is one thing that you're going to get from us is the truth. And that was the biggest difference for me when I transitioned from my old CPA to HBK was here's the truth. And this is how we can, this is how we can work with the truth. And so um, I, I just think that's fantastic and something that we can really hang our hat on as a company. I would also say that I think a lot of times it's, it's not about not wanting to, tell the truth it's it's people don't like having difficult discussions and therefore they they choose to bounce around being honest or or transparent yeah there is a lot of fear around it and and again i love i love the psychological research because it you know when you think about a persona you think about how i'm okay as long as you think good of me where the truth is actually what will sustain us because a persona can get torn down. So I, I um, recently heard a great quote, uh, and you were you were talking about quotes earlier, but you know, it's it's build relationships that allow you to have difficult discussions. And I don't often write uh, quotes down, but I wrote that one down because I think it, it it's meaningful. That's fantastic. So Phil, you you guys came up with this tagline at HBK, and I'm going a little off the vein here. And it's working together sets us apart. Now, as as I was walking through the building in Youngstown and considering whether or not I was going to join the firm, I walked downstairs and in our training room, it says working together sets us apart. That statement, when I saw that, I took a picture of it and I sent it to my wife and I said, I'm in. Now, I know that's espoused, right? That's an espoused value of ours. How did you come up with it? And how do, how can companies do that better? How can they really work together to set themselves apart? Just kind of, how'd you come up with that? And then, you know, how can people in general leaders improve on, on helping their teams do that better? I believe that came about from, we actually had a, a contest internally, and that was many, many years ago. And I believe I'm not I'm not positive, but I believe the person that suggested that worked in the Meadville office with Chris Allegretti, and I'm guessing she heard Chris say that many times. 
And, and as we were growing entities, it was important to us that, you know, adding wealth and business valuation, that it was important to us that we were working together. And, and that, and if we did that, that truly would set us apart. And how, how do you think companies can help their teams do that better? What's a couple pieces of, of advice you could give? Well, I think that we try to do that through communication, better communication. And so if we have better communication, you can educate everyone about what our services are. And then we can bet by through that, we can better you know work together. Yeah, it's amazing the you know, in, in communication, how words create our worlds, you know, and if you don't understand, like I have learned so much about CPA language since I've come to HBK, things that I never thought I'd ever learned. And you learn how to get in the conversation and be a part of the culture by, by learning the language, you know, and that's so important. That's partly with communications, it, you know, spending time together and and it doesn't always have to be formal, but being connected and being able to share each other's language is, is really important. So Phil, you know, most, so 95% of businesses don't earn a million dollars in a year. And many, many entrepreneurs or leaders, they don't know what it's like to lead at an entity that has, you know, 600 team members with all these divisions and all these locations. What's it like? to lead at a larger entity like HBK? I mean, that's something that I really don't think much about. It's just something that uh, I really just try to one day at a time. And it's, and just, and it's not something that uh, I, I've thought of much about and I really didn't pre- prepare an answer for that. So, I mean, it's, it can be challenging at times. Uh, you know, we we talk about you know the ge- being geographically challenged. We talk about CPA firms that uh, you know have one you know they might have 500 people in one location. It would be a lot easier to walk down the hall or or get together and have a meeting than it is to have you know different locations, multiple locations in multiple states. Um, that that's the challenge. You have multiple personalities, you know, with within the partner group, and you know just getting i mean and so culture becomes very important i think as to you know having being successful and i think you know hbk has grown through a lot through mergers and acquisition and you know we don't we don't merge or acquire every firm that we talk to in fact not even close and so culture is important when we we are considering you know those types of big decisions yeah, that's, you know, me, me, my, my life study's been on leadership and culture specifically. And the thing that I do find is those organizations like HBK that are very successful is, you know, your DNA. So it's three specific things, identity, values, and standards. And you kind of like the Steelers and the Patriots and other successful football teams do the same thing. They don't look like I'm a Browns fan, so I can knock on the Browns a little bit. Is the Browns, what they've done since they came back in 99, is they, they kind of throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Where the Steelers, they have a very specific 
way that they recruit and the way they draft is they actually ask themselves, starting when a kid's in high school, a talented kid, they say, are they a Pittsburgh Steeler? So there's specific values and, and an identity and a standard they look for with individuals, and they actually recruit if you're a Steeler. Talent is important, don't get me wrong, and if they get talent and the fit, they bring them in. But they actually bring in Steelers, and they're already Steelers. You know, so I think you've done a great job of, again, you've talked about this earlier. So leading at a large entity, yeah, you know your culture and you bring in better people or good people and, you know, you surround yourself with good people and then you let people do their jobs. So I, I think that's uh, fantastic. So, Phil, one thing, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen from all over the world on this podcast and a lot are young men and women. And, you know, I'm always wanting to give people an edge, you know, can, can I help a young man or woman save a year's time? You know, if you think about as leaders, if I could just tell somebody this, because I went through, you know, pain becomes purpose. So we go through these pains and we can pass on advice to help somebody move a little bit further faster. What's, what's some advice you can give young men and women, both in our firm and externally, some advice you can give on young men and women who want to become great leaders. And it's interesting that you, you, you mentioned, you know, saving a year, but my answer is don't be impatient. Yeah. And, you know, know your goals, learn from the people you trust and stretch your comfort zone. Right. And so I think that as leaders or what the leaders are looking for, is our people that want to lead. So don't be afraid to raise your hand. Stretch your comfort zone. And what I, you know, when you raise your hand, you're probably doing something that you're being asked to do that you haven't done before. And do your best. Over-prepare. Do your best at it. And so I think if you do those things, that you will succeed in the goals that you, you put forth. Yeah, that idea of patience. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? So that is not something you hear a lot shared, but I, I think it's so vitally important. Talk about the value of patience and why that is so important. Well, I think that, especially today, I think our young people want to be, you know, they want to get promoted or they want to take the next step as soon as possible. And it will come in due time. Just do the right thing, people will notice. If you have to remind people that, you know, that you're, it's not, I'm not saying you can't have a discussion, but if you have to constantly remind people that, that what you want and what your goals are, um, you should do, I, I believe doing those by actions uh, are, are more important than words. Yeah, for sure. And the value of consistency too, you know, I mean, right. just, just be, just do the best you can. I like what you said earlier because I, I just think that's so, it's, it's under-communicated in the leadership circles, which is have enough for today. You talked about how I just focus on the day. You know, let's get, and I think a lot of people take an attitude when they go to work, I'm just going to get through the day. No, no, you should get from the day as much as you possibly can because it's a, it's a contribution and it's also a journey you're on. 
you know, to absorb as much as you can. And leaders, it's, it's absorption. And then we should pass on what we're learning as much as, as humanly possible. But, you know, that, again, that idea of patience and not, and doing what you can today and letting the rest take care of itself. I remember when I was leaving for corporate America, the first day I got out of the military, you know, and I got my first suit and I'm going in to work in sales and sales and marketing department. And my dad looks at me, Phil, and he says, Michael, just remember this. You take care of people, money will take care of itself. So take really good care of people. And I, you know, relationships are messy and, you know, we have to have a lot of patience. You know, anyone who's married or been married for a significant time, you know, you know, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of patience and understanding and growth. So uh, I think that's just great advice. And I hope you out there, I mean, Phil has been consistent and he has played our game, so to speak, if you're a young man or woman. So listen to the advice and accept his instruction, put it into practice. Phil, I'm so glad you, you took some time with us today. Is there is there any way, you know, specifically LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, ways that people can connect with you online or, you know, um, private message you if they wanted to follow up with this at all? Sure. Um, my email address is pwilson at hbkcpa.com. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn at pwilson, Wilson, and um uh, I have quite a few connections out there on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me that way also. Yeah. And, and I recommend everybody right, right now. I mean, if you're driving your car, wait till you stop, but get on your phones, get on your devices, get on LinkedIn and connect with Phil. And um, man, it's just an honor to have his timeless wisdom on the HBK high performance podcast. Phil, thank you so much again for your time and, and maybe we can do it again at a later date. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Take care. All right. Everybody, make sure you take absolute immediate action on the ideas that compel you. And I cannot wait to talk to you next time on the HBK High Performance Podcast. Be sure to take immediate action on the ideas that compelled you from today's podcast. For information about the courses, resources, and services available from HBK High Performance, visit hbkln.com.